sports story everyone's talking about today is just moments away. So call or text us right now at 573-875-KTGR and make your voice heard. This is The Big Show with Andy and Brendan on KTGR. Second hour of the program. Thanks for tuning into The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Brendan and producer Chris here. Is it going to happen? I don't know if I can predict it this time. Mizzou against A&M at Mizzou Arena. Who you got? Tigers still looking for conference win number one on the season. And nine times trying is the tenth time a charm. We'll get to it in a few minutes. And Mizzou softball is looking to ride high in 2024. They'll get started this weekend down in Florida with five games throughout the weekend. And Larissa Anderson, the Mizzou softball head coach, will join us to preview the season and what's to come uh, for Tigers softball. 875-KTGR. That'll be at 525, by the way. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here on the show. But first, it's 5 o'clock. It's time for the top five at five on the big show. Number one. You want to trade away for curtain number one? You can have curtain one. Who needs it more is an inherently kind of funny question to ask when it comes to a Super Bowl, given that both teams would very much like to win the Super Bowl. Uh, but while it might have been hyperbolic of me to imply that Kyle Shanahan needs this one as much as he needs air to breathe to stay alive, I do think this one is more important to his legacy than it is for the likes of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, etc., who are already revered among the best of all time at their respective roles. By the way, the Chiefs did officially activate Sky Moore from IR, which doesn't necessarily mean that he's playing, but it keeps him eligible to do so since they activated him within the designated window. For what it's worth, though, I do not expect you'll see Tony or McKinnon on the Super Bowl Sunday. Number two. Number two. Your timing is impeccable. Uh, Mizzou men's basketball plays tonight at home, hosting Texas A&M. They only lost to him by a little bit a couple weeks ago in College Station. But it was a very ugly game. Maybe a rock fight is what Missouri needs to get that first conference win. They're still over on the SEC slate. Uh, 8 p.m. tonight from Mizzou Arena. Please win a game. Number three. Calvin Sampson's tirade to get ejected from Houston's win over Oklahoma State in Big 12 basketball last night was truly bizarre, but somehow he made an even bigger ass of himself in the postgame when our porter had the audacity to ask him about it. Yeah, what exactly happened there to get you so fired up? Now, it's not a surprise that the Big 12 refs are at the center of another controversy, so I didn't have an issue with Kelvin Sampson kind of joking and saying, well, hey, reporter, how much of the $25,000 fine would you be willing to pay? Ah, I'm not giving you the real answer because if I did tell the truth, that's what it would cost me. I don't have an issue with that. But his ignorance was showing by saying, hey, reporter, that's a silly question that you shouldn't have asked. If that question doesn't get asked by at least one person in the room, none of those reporters did their job. I wish Kelvin Sampson would realize that. Number four. Oh, I shanked it. Cardinals made the trade. Well, they designated Guillermo Zuniga, a minor league pitcher, for assignment a couple of days ago. Well, they traded to the Angels for cash considerations. The guy had a seven and a half ERA for AAA Memphis last year, so I don't know if he was necessarily all too big of a loss, but that's at least something the Cardinals are doing today. Number five. What did the five fingers say to the face? Slap! 
And in the least surprising move in the history of the universe, Nick Saban will be joining the college game day cast. Yeah, he's going to ESPN, kind of like we all figured he would. That's the Big Show's Top 5 at 5 on KTGR. It's on 5 KTGR if you want to call or text us. I mean, he might, he might as well have been a member anyway, even while coaching, right? Just how he was often? there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's fine. It's We knew it was coming, and he'll probably be involved in like some NFL draft stuff. And he's just, you know, one of the talking heads on ESPN now, which, you know, they could do a lot worse <laughs> if they're looking for talking heads. That's a pretty qualified one to talk yeah. about uh, the game of football. I mean, with. We are entering an age, man. Nick Saban's going to be an analyst for college football. Tom Brady is going to be an analyst on NFL games. He's calling games. Yeah. I know, right? That's going to be weird, dude. It's that's going to be, be weird. Uh, Nick Saban one's going to be less weird. Tom Brady, man, that's going to be weird. Well, and with Tom Brady, I am very curious to see what becomes of Greg Olson because he's the number one at Fox, man. and he's really good. He should be in a number thing, one chair. It's not just that he's really good. Him and Kevin Burkhard together are pairing. the yeah. they're the best pairing I think certainly the Fox has I would argue that the NFL has they rival Buck and Aikman interesting yeah they're very I was good. Say, Buck and Aikman are still number one for me but yeah. I think they do a great job and Greg Olson like assimilated to that role pretty quickly and kind of knew what he didn't know and knew that he had to learn some things and like he just does a really great job I love his demeanor on the games. But you're right, almost no matter what happens with him, that pairing is going to be uh, inevitably separated, we would have to imagine. So, uh, yeah, that's you know that's tough. But I, I am curious to see if there will be more moving and shaking in the broadcasting world um, because we've had a couple of off-seasons where we've seen a lot of that kind of action. But Tom Brady joining Fox could end up bringing more of that um, because Greg Olson, I think, has said, like, yeah, I worked hard to become a number one, and I think I – I think I am good oh, enough yeah. to do that. He so is. he'll be willing to, to to play ball on maybe moving to a different network or whatever the case might be. Galaxy brain stuff. I don't even okay. know if I want to be Go saying ahead. it. No, the, the smile okay. on your face tells me you do. All right. What do you got? CBS, give him a call. <laughs> Dude, Romo. <laughs> right? What do we say about Romo? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Here's the thing. Romo's locked into that for a while, too. He makes so much money. Do you think CBS kind of regrets that big-time contract, though? Here's what happened with Tony Romo. He burst onto the scene, and it was refreshing because he saw the game from the lens of, like, I just got done playing recently, and he would would do the party trick of being able to predict a play before it happened, and and the raw energy was kind of that of a fan. It really was kind of intoxicating. But he hasn't, like, evolved. He's kind of maybe regressed a little bit in recent years, which I don't know if that's fair to say, but that's kind of the the thought I get sometimes from him is like, eh, it's kind of the similar stick, and I don't know if he's necessarily – I don't know if he's, like, dedicated to it in the way that I feel like you can tell Greg Olson is. That's maybe certainly that's the, not fair to that's say. That's certainly the – not. It's it's the report, right, that he hasn't really worked on the craft as much as you should be in that role but i want to see yeah. jim nance getting truth serum and telling me what he thinks of tony oh, Roma. Like, yeah does and he here's really what i hope i don't or maybe not and here's what i hope i don't think it'll happen but i really hope don brady doesn't turn into that because like tom could do what romo does and say oh they're gonna do he's, this before the players he doesn't have energy like that, like that. he's you don't not think energy so? you know no, no. 
he Tony Romo is like an excited little puppy in the way that he has the energy wise. <laughs> yeah. And Tom Brady, I think, is going to be a little more analytical, but also like he's get, a like, funny guy. No, but like he's he's not gonna. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried that Tom Brady is gonna put people to sleep. He's a funny guy. If you see like the little videos he's put on social media and stuff uh, after retirement, I think it's gonna go well for Brady. But it's gonna be he's gonna have to be his own guy, right? He's gonna have to be his own broadcaster and not try to emulate what other people because it's very unique to have somebody as good as he was. He's the he's the goat. In terms of retired quarterbacks, Mahomes is still active, so he's not eligible yeah. to be an analyst. Like to have somebody of that stature, sometimes in baseball, it's like well, the 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 best coaches aren't always the ones that were the superstar players. It was no. kind of that those guys that had to scrap and grind for their opportunities that really could see the other side and be be great coaches. Some could do it. Like I think Mark McGuire was a really good hitting coach when he was doing that role, but he was also a prolific home run hitter. I think Tom Brady could maybe be. That rarity of he was the best to do what he's ever what he did at quarterback, but I think he could also be good at this. I'll be very curious to kind of see how that plays out. Going to be very interesting twenty twenty four football, uh, and we'll, we'll see what uh, the NFL looks like. We know that uh, Nick Saban will will sound kind of familiar in his role uh, for sure, but made official today that he's going to be part of the the game day crew. Old Jay is here on the KTGR hotline now. Before we get to some Mizzou hoops talk, Old Jay, what's up? Um, well, so there's a basketball game, but there's also another big event tonight. What's that? The, the pigs are making their picks tonight. Oh, my. Beastly so, picks. That's, under, that's national so news. Here is the over-under that really matters. Three and a half beasts picking the Chiefs because it takes four to win. And you've got six, right? So it's, it's going to have to be. Six. All right. Yes, happens, what happens if yes, they tie? Yeah, what's the tiebreaker scenario? So if there's six, then. Gosh, okay, so thanks for telling me you guys don't watch the videos because... No, 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 hey, 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 hang on, hang on, no, okay. Of course I'll get the show. No, no, look, I remember watching last year's video, but I just need a refresher. The audience needs to know. Thank you. If there is a tie, there is a seventh beast in the house. And she will make the pick. Okay. And it is a 12-year-old corgi. 12. Yeah. Is that, uh, okay. okay. All right. There you go. So, yeah, she, she, eats, she eats not the pig. She eats something else. And that's All right. That's, even though she's actually tried to eat the guinea pig. Oh, and by the way, um, do by 12 because why not? All right. All right. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Appreciate the call, Jay, here on the big show, KTGR. That's really sure, where why we, not? He called us out, didn't he? he? He called us no, out. He, uh, yeah. Like, he pierced my soul with that with that uh, accusation. Yeah. Don't, doesn't watch the videos. Why, I never. I've never been so embarrassed live on the air to, not no ball. to have somebody accuse me. You don't me get the show. That's crazy. Not watching the videos. I, um, I will say, when he was talking about there's a seventh beast in the house, and they don't normally get to pick. It kind of reminds me of like the designated survivor when they go to like the the what's that? Is that the the Congress or the whatever? State of the Union? The State of the Union. They've yeah. got to have somebody as, set a, aside. A member of the cabinet has it, to stay in the White House. Like, <laughs> the Corgi will vote if necessary, <laughs> only if absolutely necessary. Jack Bauer, the chaos time is scenario. Now, yeah. Get out there. Get out That's there, actually, Keeper It is Sutherland. the guy who plays Jack Bauer, it right? It's the same guy that played that played the guy in Designated Survivor, which I did watch a couple seasons of, and then I kind of trailed off of it. I don't know how that ever 
how that ever turned out for him. But uh, yeah. he did. He did always look very presidential. You knew that Kiefer Sutherland. You know, it was just it was just a good fit in those those type of roles. Yeah. So uh, that, that's um, <laughs> that's a good. Let's hope it doesn't down. come to the corgi, though. I mean, no, just, that, that's a lot of pressure for, for one four pigs for one pick beast. the Chiefs. I think that's what we are are looking for here. Um, he says Mizzou by 12. Man, would that be something? Um, That'd be something. They're going to score 12 full points. Here's I the mean, thing. Again, is... we're asking who you got. Who you got here? Mizzou or A&M here on the big show, KTGR. I, and I said it earlier. I, there's not a game remaining this year until I get proven otherwise. I can't predict them to win anymore. Can't do it. I don't think I can either. Right? I, that's how I feel today. I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm taking them today. Uh, maybe something will change my mind. But it's just not even... It's not like we can say, oh, they've played tough. They've had some good first halves. It's really not been that close, Andy, because what happens is even when they're in the mix, you go down to that under four timeout and something happens where they just completely fall apart. Like they haven't even been really legitimately, genuinely within striking distance in the final minute of the game, right? Like it's just been, you've already been in miracle territory in the final 60 seconds. I need to see them go down to the wire and see if they can't pull one off before I'm going to start predicting them to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you on that one. And look, I mean, there's... There's hope still for this game if you if you want to go back to what happened two weeks ago in College Station when they actually did play very well defensively. Daniel's texting in 875-KTGR. This is it, guys. This is it. We're going to get a win tonight. In all seriousness, defense bothered Texas A&M a couple weeks ago. Do we switch it up or keep doing uh, what was working? Um, I mean... They did zone Texas A&M, and it worked to a degree. And Mizzou was up; you know, they they started thirteen to four, and then Texas A&M went on the slowest twenty-three to two run that I have ever seen dude, in college it basketball. Was so it was like Bucket. it was in slow motion. This was the game? No, this was the game that my wife came downstairs, joined me on the couch as it was halftime. And I'm like huffing and puffing, and she's like, "What's the matter? They're only down by five. I'm like, "You don't understand. You don't know the things I've <laughs> it seen. Is a, it <laughs> is a awful. slow surgery of what's <laughs> happening here. They're getting picked apart. The longest lobotomy I've ever been a part <laughs> I of. I mean, that Come was on. terrible. Oh, so, man. but the question is of kind of like the defensive strategy. Who could be big for you in this game? That was a game where, uh, well, Jordan Butler played a good amount, 24 minutes, yeah. relative to his workload that we normally see. Uh, that's a little bit higher. That was a big Carolero game. He got 29 minutes. The usual suspects, Honor, Bates, East, all played a good amount. Um, that was a game where Noah Carter only saw 16 minutes the, the first time they played Texas A&M. And so I wonder kind of what yeah. his role is going to be in this game. Like, it it worked. The strategy that they use worked, so I think you kind of stick with that, but you have to also throw another angle at them and potentially know that, hey, what you did do didn't win you a game the last time, and oh my gosh, was it bad to watch. So try to find a way to inject a little bit more scoring. We did see more Mabor Majak in the last game, and, and I don't believe he played at all the first time nope. against A&M, so may, I don't know if that's going to be an asset or not. Aiden Shaw played five minutes the first time against A&M. I know that he's got an incomplete game, Andy, but I'd really like to see him get more floor time to let him try and blossom, see what he can do. I understand he is raw, and that's putting it nicely on the offensive end, but 
I like his energy, and when you give him some confidence and instill some belief in the kid, I think he can give you more. So that would be something I'm kind of curious to see tonight as well. Well, and you need his, I think his defensive contributions need to certainly elevate a little bit more uh, yeah, because he's fair. he's got the skill set for that. Uh, it's rebounding. Like it, Dennis Gates has said it time and again. If you are out there for, for 10, 15 minutes, and you're only giving us two rebounds. Like, no, we, we can't have that. For a guy like Shaw, for his size and, and for his athletic ability, there's got to be more uh, of, uh, there's got to be more rebounding production from, from him there. And I think he's right. But to that end, though, it is stunting a little bit of what you hope to see out of him on the offensive end, uh, d- developing that part of his game, and, and what other options do you have? Now, in the last game against Vanderbilt, he fouled out very early. He fouled out with like 10 minutes to go in the second half. So he really could have been used down the stretch, I think. And He's kind of like bull in a china shop mode sometimes. A little bit. You yeah. know, he's got to hone that in a little bit. There's no doubt about that. So, I mean, if he can control that part of his game and try to simplify it, make the effort down low and try to get offensive, defensive rebounds to clean things up, I think that can help Mizzou tonight, uh, especially against this team, because you're you're going to have to rebound well against the Aggies no matter what. They're a very good rebounding team. And, look, Mizzou held their own even while zoning a&M, which zoning usually hurts your rebounding abilities, but they were able to do it still. So I know they can hang with uh, with the Aggies in that department. It's just a matter of replicating it, and can you find the combinations throughout the game through substitutions to make sure that you're not running out of gas at the end? Because that's been the main problem. They really have run out. Well, they've run out of gas at the end, but there have also been the times where they run out of gas in the midst of the game that leads to those types of runs. It should go without saying that you can't have a 23-2. to two. You can't have those types of runs go against you, but you also, I don't know how many minutes it, it elapsed, Andy, when they scored just one bucket. They try and like, figure it out, but yeah, that's That's was... my thing is I want to find, and I know that maybe you can't have it both ways because the roster is what yeah. it is, and so sometimes your lineup is going to be geared more toward trying to maximize rebounding and trying to maximize defense. And other times you might have your scorers out there. Uh, But I don't know. It's hard to say that they got closer to what you want to see at Vanderbilt because they played very poorly. Um, But like Connor Vane over three minutes, that's a step in the right direction because I just don't think that he's a fit for what they need to do when they're at their best. And I almost just say you can do away with the three as well. Um, Does Mazak need to play 19 minutes? I don't know, but he... Gave him a spark on the offensive glass, so maybe they're gonna they're gonna mix him in as well. Um, I, I would hope that the answer in this game would be Aiden Shaw. Don't foul out. Aiden Shaw, kind of feed off the home crowd a little bit, and you be the guy that can provide that rebounding. And if by some unlikely circumstance you find yourself with the basketball under the rim, jump into the air and then dunk it through the rim, and that will award your team two points. And those can be. Uh, effective oh, ways wow. to stop okay. skids. Ah, I'm see. just adding that as well because there are times where he does it. There's been a couple games where I've I've seen that kind of glint in his eye and he's going for it. There's other times where, man, it looks like he is has been told that he is barred from attempting a shot when he's under the rim and could just lay it up or dunk it. I You want him to be confident, and, and I think he's kind of been caught in between at times this season. It does seem that way uh, when, when you watch it. He is looking to kick out any time he touches the ball. But um, 
I don't know, man. It, it's going to come down to uh, the stamina at the end. It's going to come down to rebounding. It's going to. We say effort. I don't think there's been a lack of of effort from this team. Uh, they're still playing hard. It's just you know staying locked in is probably the main thing, and and all of that. In a lack of rhythm, like the, there's not yes. a lot of rhythm basketball yes. going no, on. It's the, not that, there's it's a lot not of one-on-one. On one. There's a lot of one-on-one yeah, one on the it, offensive end. Yep. It's not that you're not trying. It's not that I'm knocking your hustle necessarily, although go after the rebounds and don't be afraid of that because sometimes you're going to get beat down the floor, but like engage in what you're doing in every moment. I don't have a huge issue with the effort, but sometimes they it's kind of discombobulated out there, and I would like to see a little more cohesiveness. Um I don't know if we're going to because we're this far along into the season. It wouldn't stun me to my core. I don't even necessarily care for a score prediction, although I think we should still give one. But before we do that, I want to ask you in a different way, what's your percentage? You know, Ken Palm is going to give you a percentage on Mizzou pulling this off. Yeah. I'm sure it's a sub-50% number from Ken Palm. Yep. But what is it for you? What, what kind of chance do you give him? Obviously, we're both going to be on the lower end, but where would you sit on this one? You asked me about the Chiefs. Chances on Monday, I said 60% to win it. This is obviously Mizzou's Super Bowl tonight, Andy, at Mizzou Arena <laughs> yeah. taking on Texas A&M. What's okay. your percentage that they can that this is their first conference win? 40. So, like, there's a shot, right? There's a shot. I'm not going to give them the – I'm not going to say it's going to happen, um, but Ken Palm's at 37. I'm at 40. I'm going to be a little right. more optimistic. I'm going to match you exactly because I was kind of thinking 40 – but if you said something crazy different than that, I was going to curb my enthusiasm appropriately. I think that's about right because I think they're like a five-point underdog or something at the uh, unnamedsportsbook.com. You're playing at home. There's always that chance. And they, they did come out strong against them in the last game. They came out strong against Vanderbilt. But to, to continue that rhythm for more than just a few minutes at a time, I think is going to be the key here. I'll give it about that 40% shot as well. And Andy, on a score prediction, I will go ahead and give you one. I think it's a little more high scoring this time than the first meetup because how could it not be? But not significantly so. I'll go Texas A&M 68, Missouri 63. Yeah, that's a little more high scoring. It's about the it's going to feel the same way as that same game did though. And that's two their chance ago. by the way. Yeah. That's Mizzou's chance. A&M Probably. missing shots, playing ugly. That's their chance, but I don't know if I like their chance enough to. It's about on a cover. It's a five point underdogs. I'll yeah. give you sixty eight, sixty three. That's seventy one. Best I can give you seventy one to sixty. Texas A and M. It's my pick, Chris. Ooh, man. Um, let's do seventy five to seventy. Texas A and M. Ooh, that's, that's I was wondering both if Chris getting up there. That's more points. I mean, it can happen. I was wondering if Chris was about to just like out of nowhere give us a Mizzou win, but uh. No. I can't blame him for not having the the boldness in his heart to do it. No, we. I can't do it uh, for the rest of the year until they show me. Like I'm not going to swear it off. I'm not going to say for sure because maybe I'll feel differently Friday, right? Like going into a, a weekend, you just whatever. Yeah. But for now, I I have a hard time thinking I'm going to be able to muster the courage because this would have been one where I would have probably done it if I wasn't so beaten down by the circumstances the way I feel right now. Well, who you got, Mizzou fans? Tell us eight seven five KTGR Mizzou and. Texas A&M tonight coverage starts at 7.30 right here on KTGR with tip-off at 8 o'clock. Mizzou softball starts on Friday. Larissa Anderson and company heading down to Florida to start off their season. We talked with Coach A about 
start of the year, a big-time transfer that's uh, coming in, and some of the big-time returners in the lineup. What it could all mean for Mizzou softball in 24. Larissa Anderson joins us next on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Back here on The Big Show, KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app. Andy Humphrey here, and wouldn't you know it, it is almost Mizzou softball season. This weekend, they kick off their season down in Clearwater, Florida, with five games between Friday and Sunday, and a great chance to get some early challenges there as Mizzou softball looks to uh, build upon last season. And we have head coach Larissa Anderson joining us here on The Big Show. And coach, uh, thanks thanks for coming on as always. And uh, really, just how was, how was the offseason how'd you kind of spend it and how do you think uh, the group is kind of approaching this new year after you know the preparation and everything like that you know really since may 25th really was the the start of our new season it was establishing who our roster is or what players are we bringing in where we need to go and really that was the start of of this new era um they worked extremely hard over the summer we had a lot of players that were here throughout the summer training, working out in the weight room. Our fall season was outstanding. Um, just a different level of intent, different level of intensity. I feel like last year it was underachieving. And I think the players have a little chip on their shoulder and have something to prove. And they've worked extremely hard. And just the, the level of concentration is something that I haven't experienced here since I've been at Mizzou in, in their tent. And that's something that I talk to them almost daily about is, I don't have to come to practice and try to motivate them. They're very self-motivated and self-driven. So it's a, it's truly a joy to go to practice every single day and work with them. You know, kind of going back to last year, uh, you you obviously make the the regionals, but I know there's there's higher goals than that uh, when you when you get there and what you do and and whether you get to you know host regionals or not. So again, you know, uh, kind of I guess going off of that, kind of what you said, what's kind of the the mindset now as they pay that attention to detail and what what things they really want to work on as they start this new year. You know, it's kind of funny you, when you think about our season, and I said that we were disappointed, and we were disappointed to go to the NCAA regionals in a 16th consecutive trip to regionals and finishing 32nd in the country. I mean, a lot of a lot of schools would think that that was a pretty good year. Right. Um, but, yeah, we have higher expectations and higher standards. And, you know, going into this year, having another year of experience underneath our belt, and I felt last year we were very inexperienced. We weren't young. We were just inexperienced in those situations. And to have that and another year of Cara Daly and Julia Crenshaw having last year as an everyday starter, um, you know, then they're leading this team. We have Alex Honnold and we have Jenna Laird, and they've probably been the most consistent players in the program over their four-year career. But they're getting extended leadership from Daly and Crenshaw. And, and Laird and Honnold need that. They need that support system, and they need someone who's a little bit more vocal, and we get that out of those two. And Lauren Krings is going to be the horse in the circle. She wants the ball every single game. She's been our flamethrower. She's topping out at 70, 72. But what's different about Krings this year is she knows that this is the end. She knows this is her last chance. She has a different level of focus and intent. And I, I, mean, I continue to use that word intent because that's really what I see. And she's really learning how to become a pitcher, not just a thrower. And she has tremendous support behind her with Sierra Harrison and a freshman, Marissa McCann. Um, and another name that we haven't really talked about is Lily Witten. Lily Witten is a sophomore, had the red shirt last year because of an injury, and she's come back extremely strong. So I'm really excited about the depth that we have in our in our pitching circle and our bullpen, but also how we can support a lot of our our great talented players. 
Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball head coach, joining us here on the Big Show KTGR and KTGR.com. Let's talk about a few of those players a little bit here as they start the season. Alex Honnold with how you know she's been able to take steps forward, as you mentioned, year over year. And really last season, just a breakout with all of her monster numbers. And just even continuing after that, you know, representing her country and getting all of the preseason accolades this year. Just what's kind of the, you think, her mindset as she goes into her senior year when she knows this is her you know, last go around and, and wants to capitalize upon that? You know, it, when a player has such a, an amazing year, in any year, um, and especially when it's in their junior year, you don't want to put so much pressure on that senior year. You don't want to try to, I have to do what I did last year. We have no control over that anymore, and it's gone, and we just really have to focus on what our, our plan is right now and what it is today and staying focused on what you can control because you can't control those things. And that's what happens with players, and they call it the sophomore slump, and sometimes it's the, the senior slump because they – try to replicate the numbers and in softball and baseball, it's really extremely hard to just, just focus on those numbers. So it's just her game plan every day, what her approach is, how are her pitchers attacking her? What can she control and just be really good at being Alice? Like that's it. We're not trying for her to be anybody else, but her control her and do what she's capable of doing. And if she does those things and stays, stay centered and stays in the moment, I, I have a feeling she's going to have another good year. For sure, definitely looking forward to that, and and certainly for for Jenna Laird as well with with her being, being her senior year and how she really broke out onto the scene very early in her career and has kept up that consistency. I'm sure it's hard to do year over year, but I mean, how how, how do you see her? Uh, I guess not replicating, but also just trying to get to that point again and just being that that steady leader, not only uh, in the batter's box but also on the field uh, defensively. You know, she's probably one of the most consistent shortstops in the country I've ever seen over my entire coaching career. I mean, for her to be able to year after year replicate the numbers and she just she makes every play and she doesn't do it loud and draw a lot of attention to herself. She just makes every single play and almost gives you a false sense of what a collegiate shortstop should be because she has completely broken the the standard and, and raised the ceiling on that. Um, so I'm excited for her to, to really finish strong. And it's really the same thing. I mean, Jenna, Jenna has, has gotten herself in a situation where she's a lot stronger, and that's what she needed to do. For someone who's been an everyday player every single game their entire career, their body takes a toll, and she plays so hard. I mean, she had, what, 30, 30 stolen bases last year, and, I mean, she's diving all over the place. So she gets pretty beat up, and I don't, I don't rest her ever. So it's getting her body in a position where she can maintain that strength all year long so we don't see a decline and fatigue start to set in so that she's able to peak when we really need her most, and that's postseason. For sure. Larissa Anderson joining us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com, as Mizzou softball gets started this Friday down in Clearwater, Florida. And, and you know, you mentioned uh, how you've – uh, been able to get more experience for this lineup to to back up players like like Alex and, and Jenna and and I, I guess it makes it a little bit easier to add into the mix a player like Maya Dodge uh, who comes in from the transfer portal to to Northern Iowa uh, MVC Player of the Year last year just uh, the great numbers that she put up in her first couple of seasons there uh, and then getting to add that to the mix this year what gets you excited about her and what she could bring to the table you know it's Obviously, her numbers were impressive. It is a different level of play. So it's it's her realizing, you know what, you may not be able to produce the same, but let's give it a shot. 
Um, I think the biggest thing with her is her her energy and her excitement. She's a very, very exciting player. And someone for her size has the ability to hit the ball extremely hard. Um, and she's going to be a difference maker. Like, just because of the energy, energy she brings, she's highly competitive. Um, and that's contagious. And, I mean, that was one of the biggest things this summer is going – and looking to see, is there experience in the outfield that we can bring in? Because we were pretty inexperienced last year. So being able to bring someone in that has that experience in the outfield. But, I mean, offensively, she understands what she can control. And she really adds a lot more depth to our lineup. Yeah, looking forward to uh, to that and uh, what that'll look like for her. And then uh, you, you talked a little bit about the pitching and how Lauren Krings, you know, being most likely the workhorse this year with it being her senior year. She's had a whole lot of starter experience before. You got great freshman contributions last year from Taylor Pinnell and CeCe Harrison. Uh, I, just that that younger group of, of freshmen and sophomores that'll be uh, growing up and trying to, to support Lauren in that way. Just what's uh, what gets you excited about them specifically and how you know early in the season they might get some opportunities here? Yeah, they're, they're all dynamically different, and that's what's a lot of fun where, you know, when I make this analogy all the time, when, when I have a deep bullpen and I have pitchers that do different things extremely well, I can manage like baseball, and I can sit back and, you know, I can look at the different matchups and the different strengths and weaknesses that our, our pitchers have and really put them in a situation to be successful where I'm not just riding one pitcher the entire time and and hoping that they get the job done. Like it's putting these pitchers in, in a position that it is the best matchup to give the team the best opportunity. And that's what we have. And I think surrounding Krings with Sierra Harrison and Taylor Pinnell, who had the experience last year, and then adding Natalie Touche and Marissa McCann and Lily Witten. And it's and it's giving them a lot more. I would say trust an entire pitching staff and knowing that it's not going to be one person that's going to help us win. It's going to be all seven of them that we're going to have to rely on. Um, but they are so different. And I'm I'm probably mostly excited to see Marissa McCann. She's one and her story is really, really cool. And she was born and raised in Columbia, Missouri and spent high school in Arizona. But for her to come back and she's so proud to be a Tiger and she's really good, Andy. Like she is, she is really good. <laughs> Um, she throws the ball in the mid-60s. She can throw all different planes. Every pitch is a different speed. So she's extremely tough to get on time. So I'm excited to be able to call a game for her and watch her growth over this season and, and her entire career. Well, and as a pitching coach, uh, like like you say, I'm sure that's that's high praise uh, to to get from you, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm sure she's excited about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean she's so much fun to work with and, and a perfectionist. So I'm just excited to, to throw her out there and I'll – I'm sure I'll protect her a little bit because I like to do that with freshmen and put them in situations that they can build some confidence and have success. And, you know, once she proves that she's comfortable in that environment, then it's like, go get them, throw them into the wolves. There you go. It's it's the SEC. you got to be ready for that for sure. Uh, Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball coach, joining us here on the Big Show KTGR. So uh, this weekend, you go down to Clearwater, Florida. Uh, a great event that you uh, get to take part in here. You get to face a couple ranked opponents. Uh, you get one of your games on MLB Network, which will be very cool. Uh, so some national exposure there. But just, you know, the, the goal and the mindset for your group as you go into this first crop of games, uh, knowing that there could be a lot to expect, a lot of different things thrown at you. But what's kind of the way that your team approaches it you know it's been since like i said may 25th and it's compete like let's just compete our butts off in everything we do compete on the mound compete in the batter's box i mean we're going to strike out but don't be an easy strikeout like compete for that strikeout 
um, compete in every single thing we do. And we're going to have a lot of fun if we can do those things and not give in to some of the adversity that you face in our game. Um, and just every single battle is just going to be another little competition. And we're going to celebrate those those little small battles and celebrate the success that we have. And we're going to have a really good time doing it. But I mean, the biggest thing is, I think we got rid of the the game day jitters and that black and gold game where we had pretty much a packed stadium. So we got that out of the way. And now we can just be excited to play against another opponent rather than facing our tough, tough pitching staff. And I think we've done a good job in preparing our team. And now it's really just to go out there and, and see how we're doing and be able to elevate our game and play at a fast pace. For sure. Looking forward to it uh, this weekend, and I know you and the group are as well. Mizzou softball gets started on Friday this week. Two games that day. They'll face a top 15 opponent in Utah to start and then finish out the day with NC State and then three more games to come later on that weekend down in Clearwater, Florida during the NFCA Division I leadoff classic. Mizzou softball just around the corner. It's basically here uh, this week and excited to talk about it with Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball coach here on the big show. Thanks so much, coach, for, for coming on, uh, previewing the season with us. Safe travels this week and good luck down in Florida. Thanks, Andy. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. It is 542 here on the big show, KTGR. And yeah, it, it'll be cool because uh, one of their games on Saturday is going to be on MLB Network. They're playing Liberty at 3 o'clock and you can catch it there so mlb network's going to be showing you some some softball throughout the country as that season gets underway that's kind of cool i like that they're doing that because there's a lot of good diamond sports to show even before the major league season begins and uh that's that's kind of a cool deal and hopefully that'll be a good opportunity for uh, folks around the country to see what mizzou softball is all about well they're uh they're raring to go i know that so uh we'll oh, yeah. be ready to uh to follow them all throughout the season, and great to have Larissa Anderson on uh, today. All right, uh, we've got a live local sports center coming up, and speaking of Major League Baseball, this is kind of interesting. Could Major League Baseball players play in the Olympics very soon? Well, we'll get to that next. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Thanks to Larissa Anderson of Mizzou Softball and Matt Hamilton of FanDuel TV for joining us here on the show. You can find those conversations at our podcast page, which is on the KTGR app. If you don't have that already, it's there are a whole lot of things that you can get on there. You can get uh, our, our latest news. You can get our podcasts. You can find out what's going to be on KTGR all this week, the special programs that we got like Mizzou men's basketball and high school hoops and everything like that. So go and check out the new and improved KTGR app for Apple and Google Play today. Okay, uh, are you maybe ready to see MLB players back? Or I don't know if they've been in the Olympics before, maybe once or twice in the past, but it, the idea is now being kicked around for 2028 because the Olympics are going to be in L.A. And the report from The Athletic uh, is saying that some MLB owners are growing support for this brendan of playing in the middle of the season taking a break and playing in the olympics for 2020 well when's the last time baseball was even in the olympics i know it's it's, it's coming back just being re-added right so that's kind of a big deal in and of itself you I want the say, best playing right you yeah. want the best playing that's my thought on it uh you know it just it just makes the most sense and for baseball you know we we know like historically the United States when they've had pros involved in basketball in the Olympics it's gone very well for the United States baseball has really been globalized in a way that 
I think would be fascinating. It's why the World Baseball Classic, I think, worked so well. Yeah. Because you, you do have a number of, of representative countries that uh, can, can put great talent on the field. And I think it would be a fantastic thing to see the best of the best get to compete in the Olympics as well. I will be curious, though, to see exactly how they implement that, right? Like, that's – I don't know the exact – Time timing of when the Olympics are, the months or whatever. But, so yeah, um, that's going to be part of it too. That's going to be uh, a big thing to figure out. So they're scheduled to be from July 14th to July 30th, the Olympics in LA of twenty uh, of 2028. So it's basically the the second half of July. And the idea that they're trying to kick around, according to this report here from the Athletic, is that you. It wouldn't take that whole time to get it done. They'd try to get it all done in like six days, like a week. I think you, you could do it. The then. entire thing. Yes. Yeah. Just get I it done in a week. It. Yeah. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky. They also talked about you might just cancel the All Star game this year to make this happen also. That was the thing that I was gonna suggest is yeah. that I think to do to do it right, you the the, the people that are the best are gonna be playing in the All Star game. So you almost are going to have to not have that. And I bet you universally baseball fans would say, absolutely, let's do it. Like, Cancel fine. the All-Star. Yeah. Now, the players, would they? I think I think so, because I think it's going to mean a lot for people to get the chance to represent their country, just like we saw in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, people felt very strongly about that. And so this is the Olympics. That's a known commodity. I think people would be thrilled for the chance to, uh, after baseball for so many years, not even be, that's not an option in the Olympics, to yeah. find a way to work with Major League Baseball to incorporate the best of the best, I think it's a no-brainer. And I really do hope it happens because I think that's the way that the event goes off the best. That's the way that it ends up being a, being an A on the grade at the end of the day, Andy. And I also would be curious to see kind of how that would maybe spark more interest in the in the future for World Ball, Baseball Classic and things like that. Because this, I think, is all, I don't know if it's easier to pull off. But the fact that it's in the middle of the season, I don't know if you can have the same kind of complaints of, oh, they got hurt at this time of year. And Not yeah, at all. No. You're, in, you're in your prime you're of in the your season, season. By, by July. It could have happened in a regular season game just as well as it could have happened in a game like this, uh, where you're already ramped up to a degree uh, to, to be playing at your best in mid-July. I know it's the dog days and you're trying to manage uh, time and things like that, so that could be a factor, but uh, it's not like you are still trying to work up to shape, to, to major league right. shape for a regular Those types season. Those of injuries aren't going to happen. Like replacing spring training with the WBC. It's not the <laughs> same thing. Which also did not go great for, no. the, for like the Cardinals no. last year. So, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, there's yeah, some conversations some... to be had about maybe how you how you better manage that. But I think this is a great opportunity for the game, man. And I would hate to see Major League Baseball, like I would consider it an example of getting in their own way not to find a way to make this work, right? You don't say, right. well, let's win our all-star. That's during our season. You find a way to make this work. And I think if, if MLB is serious on the priority of growing the game globally, which I know Rob Manfred is, I know that that's a point of emphasis um, if that's the case, then you make this happen. Imagine Shohei Otani in in this scenario, like uh, playing in, the, in these Olympics. He'll be in L.A., of course, and the, and the Olympics are in L.A. Think about just everything that could come together for the league if they make this happen. 
I mean, do it unequivocally. Players Association, I, I'm actually more worried about the Players Association getting in the way than the league, but, um, but you know, but both like if should the be on the same wanna, page here. If, the, if there are stars that want to do it, what will be too? What will be funny too is, you know, we'll hear Adam Wainwright like, "Hey, I can go again, <laughs> right? Oh to man, be in the Olympics to represent Team USA." He's go probably on. going, "No, no, no MLB players, no MLB players, no MLB players right. allowed." Because yeah. then, <laughs> then maybe he would. Adam Wainwright can waltz on out there and be like, "Yeah, let's go, dude." I I think you I think you have to figure out a way. Again, if a number of star players have interest in doing it, and maybe the appetite won't be. There, I don't know. I expect it would be, but like you think about Arnado and Goldschmidt, you know, those are two key guys when we talked about the U.S. team last year, yeah. and you know, they just had a tough season, and so they might be both be in a spot where it's like, man, I got to focus on not losing ninety games again. Like, I'd be curious if guys like that would want to, or if it would just be maybe Brendan's reading it wrong. It's a no brainer. It's the Olympics, of course, you do it. Like, I don't know what the appetite from players would be. But I'm going to guess favorable. I'm going to guess it would largely, there's always going to be an exception here and there, but I would bet you that that the players would be on board. Now, they're probably going to fight and, and, and claw for as much time as possible, and that could make for an awkward arrangement with the season if you need to take an inordinate amount of time. But I think that it's in everybody's best interest to make it work if there's an appetite among the players to yeah. do it. And and look, it's it's 4 years away. Like you've got time to maybe hash this out to agree. Oh, that's right. This isn't this coming year. It's not this I was year. thinking like right. I was thinking it was coming, but that's a no, good point. No, no, this no. is yeah. still way away. Yeah. Um so yeah, Wayne Wright, I don't think he's going to be able to train up for that if he's retired. <laughs> no, I was well, what? Uh, we, we what? 45? Hey man, you're Jimmy never Moore, too old to, Jimmy Moore did to it. play for your country. So I'd be ready to see it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks uh, to uh, Matt Hamilton and Larissa Anderson for joining us as well. Mizzou Hoops coverage starts at 7.30 this evening. Tip-off at 8 o'clock for the Tigers and Aggies. Stay tuned for that. And we'll be back tomorrow from 4 to 6. Over-unders for the uh, Chiefs and 49ers in the Super Bowl draft, 2K24. He's Brendan. He's producer Chris. I'm Andrew. We're done for now.